0: About 20% of the beer drinkers drink 80% of the beer in the world. 20% of the criminals account for 80% of the crime. And only 20% of people in your life create 80% of all the happiness and value in your life.
1: Hey, you are listening to The Grey Matter Show, where we deconstruct complex ideas to shorten your journey to success. And today, we are going to talk about the 80-20 rule, also called the pre Principle see how it applies to different domains of our lives and how we can use it to gain better results at work, social interactions and relationships. So first thing first, what is
0: eighty-twenty rule? What is eighty-twenty rule? Yeah, uh, so there was an Italian economist called Wilfredo Pareto. In 1897, he was studying wealth distribution in England and what he found was pretty interesting. He found that 80% of the wealth and the land was in the hand of just 20% of the individuals. And then he extended his study to many other nations, and amazingly, the results were similar. And then he did a little bit of more research and experimentation, and he found Mm. that this trend occurs in many other domains also, not just in wealth distribution, but in other domains, including his garden, where he found that only a vital few pea pods produce the majority of peas. And Pulkit, then he documented his observations and published it as 80-20 rule, which became popular, and now is also known as Pareto's rule. Mm.
1: Very interesting, Santosh. To add to that, eighty twenty rule is just a heuristic rule, meaning the distribution of percentages, that's not set. So it could be 70-30, 60-40, or even 90-30, where the two numbers could add up to be more than 100.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. So 80-20 is kind of thumb rule or heuristic rule and not set in stone. Yeah. Uh, what 80-20 simply means that the majority of effects, they come from minority of the causes. For example, in software industry, if you fix top 20% of the bugs that the users report, you can fix 80% of all the related errors and crashes that happens in a given system. If you take your personal life, example from your personal life, take a look at your wardrobe. You wear only 20% of the clothes most of the time. Mm. And uh, a very famous example, Apple. Uh, Apple generates more than 60% of its revenue just from one product and we all know that product is iPhone <laughs>
1: that's very interesting yeah. I did not know that so eighty-twenty yeah. 20 rules very interesting let's see how it works in different areas of our lives uh, main areas of our life at least from my life is work and time management uh, relationships and obviously social interactions and career so Let's start with work and time management first, right? Because we we got to earn some money for a living.
0: <laughs> right, and we spend eight hours uh, daily at, at work. Least. So. that's
1: right. Uh, so we often face uh, this thing called the time crisis in our day-to-day life. And I think we are best described as roosters on a wheel juggling 50 balls, heading to eventual certain death not a very great picture of what our lives should be like we always paint a picture like we are living this you know you look at instagram and facebook and all those social media platforms you feel like people are having so much fun on the weekends but basically what they are doing is trying to get recharged to slog away during the week
0: and that's the reality that at the end the picture you painted roosters on a wheel juggling 50 balls that's what we are doing today in in this fast-paced world okay that's so true
1: so I came about major realizations from the 80-20 principle. Uh, the first one was that time is elastic. So the more that you can fit into a particular piece of time, the more you can. And the less that you try to, again, the least that you can. So you can make an afternoon about working on three different projects, mm-hmm. or you can make it about a nap and a lazy movie. It's basically up to you. Right. The best way that I feel to apply eighty twenty principle and time management, oh, wait, did I say time management? Yeah. I meant to say time revolution. There's no, no such thing called as time management mm. when you're talking about 80-20 principle. So if you have to think about time independence with the eighty twenty principle, it requires an entire shift in consciousness about how you view time, what are the dependencies and the implications. Right. Forget about what you know about the to-do list, the priorities and the work logs. Mm. Time revolution simply says one thing. Look at your life, what has been your most pristine moments of success, Mm. independence, joy, freedom. And now you don't think about the time and the effort that it took for you to achieve those specific moments. Mm. So some of these moments in your pristine where you felt very free and almost uh, wanted to keep that moment of time and place in your memory forever, like a bookmark could be your a very special holiday with your family or your friends where you felt like nothing else in your life really matters like if you could die tomorrow uh that would be fine obviously you would not be able to live through a lot of other moments interesting life at that point of time stays almost still and you can Mm -hmm. view that moment if you want to think about that moment now or any other time, ten mm. years down the line, mm. that moment would really be like a placeholder in your life. Right. So uh, such type of moments mm. uh, are good; they make you happy. But at the same time, they also teach you a lot about time revolution. Mm. So, uh, Santosh, what has been your such moment where you 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 know felt really timeless? talk a little bit about
0: that yeah before I go there I really like the concept of time being elastic that even though we have 24 hours but I can fill it with the type of activity I can mm-hmm. uh, where which maximizes my happiness and returns on the first I'm putting in so going back to a uh, bookmark in my memory that's a very good analogy toolkit I really like that because when you're uh, mentioning about bookmark it, i immediately thought about a uh, vacation that i took with my bunch of friends to ladakh it was a road trip from manali to ladakh uh, we took one and a half uh, days of uh, weeks of vacation
1: and for our international listeners uh, manali and ladakh are places in a state called himachal pradesh in india uh, it's a hill. It's it's like a place, you know, s- surrounded by forest and um, big uh,
0: mountains, mountains uh,
1: on the foothills of Himalayas. Himalayas,
0: yeah. Um, and it's a pretty popular trip that people do. So, yeah, I was with a bunch of uh, college friends from my undergrad, 10 of us. People travel from different parts of the country and friends who came from London and uh, U.S. and then uh, Bangalore, Delhi, Mumbai. We all got together in Delhi uh, and then took a bus ride to Manali, from Manali to... Then Ladakh, it it was very interesting and memorable trip. That's one thing that I can never forget because I had a lot of fun, uh, Mm -hmm. these people.
1: So did it take you a a lot of time to plan that trip?
0: No, I think it was a very random trip. It's almost eight years ago. I don't recall we planning a lot. I think one of us came up with the idea that we should do a get together after so many days of uh, we moving to different parts of the Mm -hmm. world. And all of us uh, agreed to that. We just mm-hmm. picked up a date, and uh, people traveled to Delhi from different places. Mm-hmm. And we made uh, our plans in real time, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it must have costed you guys a lot, right? Everybody flying in and you guys staying there for a week, you know, compared to what you earn right now. uh,
0: So, how would you compare? Amazingly, yeah. I, I think if we neglect the travel, the flight charges, everyone taking flights to Delhi or train, whatever the mode of transportation was, if we neglect that, the trip was really very inexpensive. One of our friends, he works in drdo which is a defense research uh, organization in india so uh, manali has uh, did I say manali shimla shimla has a guest house for drdo so we stayed in guest house we had really nice food for <laughs> nice. free we stayed for, for free we had really nice food nice time there uh, i think our other stays and travel was very very uh, minimal very inexpensive it, it was not very expensive
1: awesome so that proves my point right so uh, Places uh, which are ephemeral in your memory, they don't cost a lot. They don't uh, cost a lot in terms of time or in terms of effort, in terms of money. But they are special. The reason being they are with a special set of people. They are done at a specific point of your time. And uh, the agenda, uh, mostly due to the people being there, the agenda is specific to you. Something that you like, something that is specific to you. Absolutely. So. Uh, Now, you know, think about right now, how can we leverage those most important resources, time, people, and thought into the present moment? So I have a quick test for our listeners. And if you are driving, I would advise you not to do this for now. Make a bookmark of this podcast. You can come back to it when you reach home. Mm -hmm. But for folks who can close your eyes, uh, please do that. Do some deep breathing. Now, imagine the most vivid memory you've had where you felt actually free independent and almost wanted to keep that place and that specific timestamp as a bookmark for the rest of your life these could be amazing times that you have had laughing and chatting with your family or on a trip or it could be that win that you got the amazing adrenaline norepinephrine rush after months of toil on a project with your team where you felt actually invincible where you felt absolutely true with nature. It could be uh, a trip, like a camping trip that you went alone for just to test out yourself. Now open your eyes. Now write down one moment each for family, friends and work life where you felt like this. Now against each of the bullet point, I want you to write some aspects of work time and people which made that happen. That, Goldilocks zone of stress and challenge, work and satisfaction, which brought you to that point. Interesting. Now, after our listeners are done with this exercise, it took me a good hour uh, of my time when I did this exercise like a few weeks ago. And uh, it was a very good realization of the fact that if I have to die, say, you know, tomorrow or next week, it's not like i would have the registry of all of the moments in my time but only specific moment and the resources and the time which made those specific moments happen they are not really so expensive or so hard to find it's just uh, the idea that i have to work towards creating them so i would say for the listeners analyze this list for yourself did it take a lot of time to create this experience? For most of the people, I can certainly say that the answer is a no. It was just the right moments, the right resources coming at the right moment, the right 20% of resources making 80 to 90% of the happiness or the satisfaction. So now so this is what. So
0: this. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So this exercise basically will help anyone identify what the most important, you know, task or people uh, or activities are, bring uh, the most happiness in their life. Is 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 that true?
1: Absolutely. And not just happiness. This could be a test for even physical stuff, like if you're after money, if you're after a uh, certain status or position or a job title. Uh, the, the, output that, uh, that the output that you're looking for. So
0: It's a way to weed out non-value-added activities or the task or activities that don't matter much in our lives.
1: Absolutely. Because uh, for each of us, the things that make us happy are pretty much subjective and personalized to our own wants and desires
0: right
1: a lot of times due to influence by media due to our friends you do things which happen in our work life we we lose that mm. we lose that touch of what will make me happy yeah this exercise is supposed to bring you closer to that mm. and post that you can prioritize okay this is what i'm actually looking for and then how to work you know towards that right now if obviously you will have to put put your effort and work into what you're wanting to achieve mm-hmm. but the idea is not to be blindly going towards something because that's just what is on my to-do list
0: right makes sense
1: okay so santosh uh you are one of the most hack freak people that i've seen like before i met you i did not even mm-hmm. know of any single person who had uh, you know, crossed off on the entire notification list on iPhone. Like that was something that blew my mind. So yeah. uh, you hardly ever spend time on non-value adding tasks. So what do you think has been the most non-value adding uh, task as well as the value adding task? Can you uh, uh, help us, you know, prioritize our days around it?
0: Yeah, so the way I look at uh, my typical day, uh, Pulkit, is that I have a limited amount of time and a limited supply of willpower, and so does everyone. Uh, All of us have just 24 hours and every day, just limited supply of willpower. So I want to prioritize things that matter most to me and not to others. Um, And over time, I listed out a lot of activities that I think just suck away your time. They suck away your energy and your attention. Um, and, And these are the most important resources you have in your life, your time, your energy and attention. Uh, so, for example, speaking of non-value adding tasks, I don't answer calls from unknown numbers because when you're getting a call from unknown number, it takes your attention away from the current task. That's number one. And number two, you don't know what the other person uh, might be looking for uh, and he might create an additional task for you. So, <laughs> yeah, so basically you, you your priority for the day is messed up um, because you, you got one more additional task on your list. Mm -hmm. So what I do, I let these calls go to my voicemail, uh, check the mail, and then respond later if I'm getting called from unknown numbers. Another non-value added task that we both see and share the same view towards is working on things you are not usually good at doing. So sometimes we try to, uh, let's say we are working on a project and we try to do most of the things by ourselves even though we are not good at, and I'll give one specific example. When we were working on this podcast project initially, we tried to create the logo, we tried to mix the sound, we tried to do (laughs) everything from end to end, right? And we were really slow in the process, but then we realized, okay, what we need to focus on, what's the most important thing? We both agreed that content is the king. We need to make the content better, so we spent our energy um, together in building the content. And then uh, we offshored, outsourced uh, the logo creation, the editing, sound mixing to others. And we saw that we really became faster when we do that, right? So I
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, spending energy on something or time on something which you're not good at, I think that's another non-value added task. One more uh, task that I see very commonly um, is working on projects which have no takers or a few people who are interested in it. It's like working on a product that no one wants to buy or <laughs> interested not buying, right? What would you do? What an excellent analogy there. Yes, absolutely. So
1: uh, basically, if we are looking at a certain task, we should be looking at uh, uh, ourselves or the end thing that we are trying to generate as a product. And those things or the tasks as certain activities that will add value to ourselves as a product and the service that we can
0: provide
1: to others as a product
0: yeah and i think most of the people will think that we are being just too selfish in terms of time and i think (laughs) that's not the case because if you uh, can guard your attention and put your best effort and focus your energy on what really matters it will make other people's lives better too because if you're working on project you're not working on project just for yourself there's an consumer there's an and, uh, you know, a user will use that product. And if you are guarding your attention, focus, energy, and putting into that, the product that you'll build will come out much, much higher quality, right? So, Absolutely. so I would like to highlight one more uh, non-value added task. I see very often most of us do it, and even I've been guilty of it, is is to keep working on project without any results and not knowing when to quit. That's very important, knowing when to quit. Uh, We think that because we have invested so much time, energy or money by working on something or by being in a relationship, that we want to keep investing more until we see the results. That's the reason people stay in unhealthy relations. And in psychology, there's a term for that, and economics, also economics. It's called sunk cost fallacy, that we keep investing more and more of time, money, energy and resources on a project that we have worked on for so long and we don't see any results. So I think it's important to know when to quit. If things, if we are not seeing any results, it's important that we realize that we have wasted or invested so much of energy and it's not worth spending more effort and energy, full kit.
1: Absolutely. So uh, you talked about the non-value adding tasks. What about the highest value added uses of time?
0: Yeah, I prioritize things that uh, advance your purpose in life. You know, uh, again, going back to the same reference I gave, uh, mm-hmm. If you're focusing your energy, time and attention to something that advances your purpose in life, it doesn't mean you're being selfish because to some extent we all are connected. The work that we do, uh, we, they, are, they are end users, and takers for the product and project we're working on. Uh, so focusing on something that advances your purpose in life and I can divide that into two, three different categories. One would be relationship, focus on, your, on the relationship. Have a really good set of people uh, with whom you connect really well, who uh, supports you, who motivates you in uh, going ahead in life. Uh, number two, I would say your personal uh, self-care. Uh, by self-care, I would mean taking care of your physical health, your mental health, um, because only if you are the way they say in uh, planes that... Before you help others, help yourself with, with the oxygen mask. Because, <laughs> because if you don't survive, you won't be able to give your product or your, your best version to others. So Absolutely. self-care is really important. So spending time and prioritizing activities that relate to self-care, for example, meditation, uh, exercise, uh, eating right, is really important. And the third part is projects that you're working on related to work. Prioritize those uh, value-adding activities as well, Pulkit. Awesome.
1: So uh I think you mentioned a little bit about relationships, but can you zoom in on that a little bit? Because now that we are talking in the in the context of the eighty twenty D twenty principle, the Pareto principle, how would it apply to the relationships? Like uh should we view relationships as, you know, something out of which we are trying to get something out of? Is that like a healthy view of relationship? Like, am I right in saying this? Like if we if we are seeing relationship as something that's not adding value right now, could it also be due to that your partner is not right? Or are there certain litmus tests that a principle gives us, which can uh, make or break a relationship?
0: Yeah, so uh, if you analyze uh, your personal life, and when I say you, I don't mean you as such, I mean me also, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see that uh, of all the people we interact with or hang out with there's only a small group of people say five to six of them who create most happiness and add more value or the most of the value in our life and successful people know that that's why they have a group of trusted people called inner circle who they mostly interact with i'm not saying stop uh, interacting or socializing with strangers or new people i think that's a way to keep building your network which is very important Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you'll see that most of the value in your life uh, comes from small group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, example, Tony Robbins, who is the world's most famous business and life coach. He works with an inner circle of seven to ten people who live close by and fly around the world with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maria Sharapova, uh, the tennis superstar, she has a small circle, too, in her professional and personal life. She manages... I think uh, Sugarpova business also. I think she has other lines of business as well. Uh, she has dozen of people she's mostly surrounded with most of the time. And they are their friends, business partners and advisors. Mm. So how can we make use of this fact um, that only a small group of people bring most of the happiness and results in our lives? Yeah, I personally do two things. I don't dedicate the same amount of time to everyone in my life. I dedicate most of my time to people who makes me feel happy and uh, who uh, shows the best version of myself, who motivates me to move uh, and advance further in life.
1: Mm.
0: I feel that I get majority of my happiness with only a bunch of four or five uh, set of people. Uh, the second thing that I do uh, and what I suggest others doing as well, that create set of key alliances. What are key alliances? These are a group of people who have supported you and helped you to become successful in every aspect or in different aspects of your life. So, And they are the one I believe will help you in future as well. Um, so in that regard, a good friend or your best friend can be an important ally and be part of uh, the key alliance that I mentioned. But one thing that we need to remember, Pulkit, that these relationships are not built in a day or in a week or a month, they, they are built over a period of time where you also are invested in their success. You are creating value in their lives. Mm. Um, and there are a few key attributes uh, to such relationships that you and your key alliance should have mutual respect for each other, should have some common interest uh, that you explore together. Of course, you should have trust and you should reciprocate the same feelings to each other. So that would be my recommendation. Awesome, that's an excellent
1: list of litmus tests uh, for relationships and the way that relationships play out in terms of eighty twenty. 20 So for our listeners, quick hacks from the Pareto Principle. First off, productivity on most of the projects can be improved by halving the amount of time for completion. So you have to set quicker deadlines, Reach try to reach the end goal quicker. That's the way to uh, improve your productivity. Secondly, right. you should be able to define good enough. So it takes a lot of time to make something look completely perfect. If you know the acceptable standards which are there to produce something that is not perfect, but it's still acceptable enough, uh, quite often perfection is not required. And obviously there can be iterations to make something perfect. But a l- lot of times we do this analysis paralysis. Uh, I've seen this happen a-, a lot of time in my life. We should not be doing it. So, And uh, this is basically a theme that I've seen, Another book, uh, that's the first 20 hours, the 20 hours to skill mastery. Uh, third aspect, learn how to delegate. Okay, uh, you should be able to know who are some of the contributors who can add value to your project. Never make a project just about yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, hard work leads to low returns. Sorry, that's I have to bust that myth. Hard work uh, can't by itself always lead to high returns. Uh, insights and doing what we want to do like the exercise which we did in the earlier part of the podcast to reverse engineer that and apply it in your work, your personal life and relationships to know what are the aspects that you want to achieve mastery on Mm -hmm. and then working towards them. That's what creates high returns. Do the thing what you like doing, right? So remove the guilt factor out of it. Okay, I have to work on certain aspects. There are certain low hanging fruits on my to do list that I need to be working on. No, Uh, some things that are important for you, like your health, your relationships, your meditation, you know, your mental health things that you need to work on, right? Being fit, eating right. Those things should be the priority lifelong. In the end, choose with care, then build with commitment.
0: Yeah, so on the delegate part, Pulkit, uh, I read this somewhere that you first try to, if you have a task, try to, I think, delete it if if that task is not important mm-hmm. or delegate it uh, or automate it. So dele- it delete, sense. automate, delegate. Uh, and DAD. And on, yeah, DAD. Only once these three steps are crossed, then mm-hmm. or the task cannot be deleted, automated or delegated, mm-hmm. then you should be working on that task. It makes sense. Anyway, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, the secret of productive life is that only a few things really matter, but they matter a tremendous amount. They are difficult to find, but once you find them, they give you tremendous power to achieve more with less. They give you power to work smarter and not harder and live a more fulfilling life. With that note, we are wrapping up today's episode. Try 80-20 rule for three to four weeks and let us know how it worked for you. You can tweet your stories at Grey Matter and remember it's uh, grey with an A. It's the Grey Matter Group. That's the
1: new Twitter handle for you guys uh, Grey Matter Group. That's G R A Y M A T T E R G R O U P. Look forward to your tweets and comments and have a good life. Bye bye.